From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. Along with Uncle Larry Jones and KG, you look phenomenal today and happy belated birthday. Well, thank you, sir. I'm wearing this uh, nice uh, Tulsa 1921 Never Forget t-shirt that uh, was gifted to me for my birthday by one uh, Larry Jones. So well, thank you. It's because I love you, sir. <laughs> yes, indeed. And you look um, good in it, too. And we're loving the summertime. I, I just celebrated yeah. a birthday, and uh, it was also in line with uh, the 4th of July, which I did not celebrate. Um, however, a lot of folks did. <laughs> right. And um, we're still in COVID, and a lot of people are just not knowing what to do or how to how to handle this new way of living because we can't go outside and have go to events. Well, you just hit on two points. A birthday is usually a huge celebration, and the fourth is, for some folk, a huge celebration. But as you just mentioned, inside COVID, how do we cope with this? But we have a we have a psychiatrist that is on the line, Yay. Dr. Colleen Sira, who is um, – she has a master's and doctors from Illinois School of Professional Psychology and is a licensed clinical psychologist in uh, the great state of Illinois and the founder and executive director of Sierra Center for Behavior Health PC. Welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. So you specialize in women and trauma. Yes, sir. Well, well, who is to? I think women is the number two group uh, that, that deals with a lot of trauma, probably under Black people. Very, very true. Yeah. So we and we also very broadly define trauma, which I think is important uh, to say right now, especially um, trauma isn't just abuse uh, that happens when we're kids. That, of course, is trauma, and that's not to minimize it. But trauma is also broadly defined. So people who experience racism, um, patriarchy, sexism, transphobia, homophobia, xenophobia, all of these things, um, they are death by a million cuts. They absolutely are trauma. And so um, we've been trying our best to broaden how people see and think about trauma um, with the work that we're doing here. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, I, that's Doc, that's some amazing steps and 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 where we're going. This this emotional thing we're in, this these unique feelings of what you just mentioned of racism and sexism, and some have been undercover, some have been quietly kept, some have been broadly put in our face. How do we how do we cope? What do we do? Oh, gosh, Uh, I wish I could give you a simple answer. Um, I'd love to be able to provide some help and healing uh, for everybody who's struggling right now. Um, The thing that I have been doing that's been helping me is, you know, I've always held beliefs. My practice has always been a values-based practice. Um, We value social justice. We value cultural humility. Um, We consider ourselves to be intersectional feminists. And we were doing things uh, to actually live those values. But what I've realized is that we weren't doing enough. And so what me personally and my business, we're just taking a lot more, we're doing a lot more action. Um, We're organizing, we're getting involved in community efforts, we're fundraising. Uh, And so that, it's been helpful for me um, to, to deal with all of the pain of the world right now to feel like I'm actually doing something for my small little corner of the world, 
um, to hopefully make it better. Hmm. So a lot of people are dealing with, to piggyback off of what uh, Uncle Larry just said, dealing with the disappointment of things being canceled. And mm. there's a, at this point in life, like just everything, when it comes to the news, when it comes to dealing with COVID, I don't get mad anymore. It's, it's, it's just disappointment. So how do we deal with disappointment? Because everything is disappointing right now. You know, you want to, <laughs> you, you want to do something, and then reality sets in, and you're like, "Oh gosh, I can't." For me, example, my birthday was last Thursday. I wanted to go. Happy belated oh, birthday! Oh, well, thank you, Dr. Mm-hmm. Colleen. And I wanted to go and do what I normally do, which is like a day spa, just go get a massage chill out in the hot tub or the pool, get the manicure, pedicure, all of that. Literally, Doc, as I was looking up a spot to go to, I look up on the news and I see how, you know, the numbers are just out of control here in Spiking Houston. And, um, and how they were asking us really to stay home and, and not to go out. And so it totally changed, you know, my mood and my uh, vibe of what I wanted to do for myself on my birthday. And I just sat there like, huh. Just side with that <laughs> feeling of disappointment. It is so disappointing and so sad. You know, I think one of the things that's helpful to consider is, you know, we think about grief and loss as just people dying. That's that tends to be what we think of when we hear the words grief and loss. But so much that comes with COVID has created grief um, and very real losses for us. And now that could be the death of someone you know, but that that could be the loss of seeing your family and friends, the loss of events that you look forward to every single year. Um, And that's, that's real. Just because somebody isn't dying doesn't make the grief and the loss any less real. So it's okay to feel that. It's okay to be disappointed, to cry, to, you know, to talk to friends, to vent, all of that is okay. I think it's just important that we don't get stuck in that place. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And thank you for that affirmation because I subscribe to the uh, philosophy that it is okay to cry it out or feel how you feel in that moment. Don't stay yeah. there. <laughs> you know, don't stay there. Uh, but it is okay to go through those emotions, get it out, and keep it moving. So. Yeah, thank you for that affirmation. I concur, and what I would suggest to you, my fine brother, is that you should fill up your tub full of hot water, get some candles, put on some uh, incognito, and uh, enjoy with a glass of wine. <laughs> glass of wine. And, Doc, what, Perhaps, I, what, yes. what we're learning is there are alternative ways to kind of, if you will, flip the script on what we see, but it's going to take our imagination, I believe, to go a little deeper and say, you know what, okay, I know this is, I can't go here. We're not going to go over there. What can I do within my little square to tilt it a little left or a little right? Does that- 100%. Okay. Yeah, and figuring out, so I mean, I think it's super helpful to figure out what exactly feels the worst. Are we really missing people in our life? Was there a certain event, you know, I'm, I'm up in Chicago. Um, the taste of Chicago is a big, big Huge thing up deal. here. Yes, ma'am. We know it well. We know it well. We know it well. Absolutely. So there's a ton of people, I'm sure, who are really, really sad that they don't get to go to Taste of Chicago. And maybe that's just the energy of the event, or maybe that's getting to try new foods. And so figuring out what specifically you're sad about, you're missing, you're craving, and then figuring out an alternative way to get that. 
um, can be really helpful. I, I recognize that it's probably a little bit trickier for you guys in, in Texas when you guys are a bit more cooped up, well, way more, I think, cooped up than we are at this point in um, Chicago and Illinois. But, but worth spending some time thinking about and trying to get inventive. Hmm. I, I just, I know for a fact that I've had to go deeper in my imagination to do some things. So when I walk out the back door at my house, and I'm in the grass. I'm actually standing in a field somewhere in Montana, just staring up at the stars, yet I'm looking at my, my neighbor's house right across the way. But I, <laughs> I just try to evaporate in the environment. And it's it's actually helped a great deal just to take my shoes off, walk barefoot in the grass, or just sit and be thankful that first I'm alive and we have a chance to do this podcast every week where I, I must admit, uh, I think KG and I have grown a little closer, if that was even possible, yeah. because we don't get a chance to see each other where the rest of our community here at the station, they're not as fortunate. They're doing all the teleconferences and and so, but I, I, I assure you, this human contact I get at least once a week has been very therapeutic. Oh, I can imagine. We are social creatures. We absolutely need that. And so, again, I don't know what the restrictions are in Texas, but um, one of the things that we've been talking a lot about in Chicago is how we need to physically distance, but we don't need to social distance. And so if you guys are able to go for walks with people, masked up, six feet away, all safety precautions, of course, but that human connection is imperative. And we really, we are not designed to go without it for long periods of time. It takes a very real toll, as you're speaking of, on our emotional mental health. Mm -hmm. Doc, when it comes to um, dealing with uh, your emotions, uh, what are some of the strategies that can help us manage our emotions? Because let's just be honest. I, I was just having this conversation with another coworker before you called. Um, it's just a lot going on between COVID, between racism, the fight against systemic uh racism um we're getting word mm -hmm. that uh, this flu season is going to be bad we got hurricane season that's here especially for us here um in the, in the gulf area it's just it's piling on and it's beyond overwhelming so what what strategies can help us manage our emotions there's a few things, but you're, you're right. It's wild. It is absolutely bananas in the world right now. Um, and so the idea of very actively coping rather than just like floating on a raft in the middle of this very crazy ocean, um, I think is a really helpful thing to consider. Uh, so again, it seems obvious, but, but feeling your feelings, I think is the number one thing and probably the thing people do least. <laughs> um, we, we run from emotions, especially unpleasant ones. Mm -hmm. We don't want to feel sad or disappointed or angry. All of those more negative, air quote, emotions we as human beings typically run from. So to lean into those feelings, to let yourself feel it, to let it, let it take over for a couple of minutes is a really helpful and necessary place to start. Uh, I think one of the ways that you really work through feelings is you, you get it out. You're, you're talking to a friend, you're journaling, you're exercising while you're feeling, um, you're throwing those punches on the boxing bag and you're feeling all of the anger about everything happening in the world. 
So really moving through feelings rather than putting them to the side and just trying to carry on, I think is a really important step. There's, there's other things that I don't want to just, you know, talk for like five minutes straight. Does that make sense? Do you guys have a reaction to that? Well, yeah, we, (laughs) again, I just getting out of my, myself feelings. I see it. I'm angry for a second as KG alluded to, because we've, We've all come through some things and learning how to process these things. Uh, I see it. It stings for a second, but I, I push myself past that to say, and yet I know that this too shall pass. And yet I know everything really is already all right. Although it's not physically there spiritually, I believe that. And for me, it takes me to a place of peace. Awesome. That's awesome. You mentioned two really important things in there. Um, Part of what you mentioned is spirituality or religiosity, whatever, if there is a higher power, a God, anything that you can call on, I think that's incredibly, we know that that's incredibly helpful, that that offers people peace amidst chaos. Uh, So relying on a higher power, as well as the communities that typically come with Praise or worship of a higher power can be really, really powerful. We know that 100%. But the other thing you said that's really important is perspective. Um, And, you know, I think we're human. Uh, It's Again, it's okay to feel sad, disappointed, whatever. And at the end of the day, we are alive. Uh, And most of us, I want to believe, are looking out for our neighbors, our families, our friends, our communities. And so we need to keep the bigger perspective in mind here that people are dying in enormous, ridiculous numbers because of this illness. And so we, we really get to be a hero um, by, by staying home, by following safety precautions. And I think that that shift in how we think about this can make our sacrifice more heroic and less victim-like. Does that make sense? Yeah. Doc, I am interested to know... Um, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're, you're I dealing doing? with people, you know, you're talking to people on the daily. You're dealing with this. I mean, you're a psychologist. I mean, <laughs> how are you doing and what are you doing to uh, cope with um, the mental and emotional health of you being a, a doctor on both ends, physical and mentally? That, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, I, I'm definitely overwhelmed. Uh, I have a practice. I, I have two small children, and um, I'm responsible for 16 employees, all of whom are seeing people that are absolutely devastated. Uh, they're devastated because of COVID. They're devastated because of racism. They are just devastated by our world at large right now. There's so much pain, so much pain in the world right now. So it's, it is overwhelming, <laughs> uh, very much so. But you know what? I, I think for the most part, I'm following my own advice. I'm a crier. <laughs> I cry a lot. Uh, I let that happen. I rely on my support network. Uh, and thank, thank God, I have a really incredible support network of family and friends. I, I'm investing in my community, so I'm feeling really tight and connected to my community who is going through a lot right now. 
Uh, and I'm, I'm meditating. I'm trying to connect uh, with something bigger than me, which is always incredibly helpful during during stressful times for me. So, and I'm exercising, you know, good basic self-care. I'm exercising. I'm watching what I eat, blah, 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 getting enough sleep. Right, right, right. <laughs> getting enough, okay, important, getting enough sleep. What about, you know, a little woosah just uh, for a day or two if, if available to escape and do absolutely nothing to get that mental detox? I'm working on that. You're I did take, okay. um, well, that's <laughs> good. You go. At least you're trying to work on that because go. that is important. That was, and that was actually a conversation that we had up here because we had been working nonstop mm-hmm. since March. Correct. You know, and, and, and us being a, a media outlet, just staying on top of everything. And, and doc, and let me add, we're, we're, we were 12 to 16 hour shifts. So wow. one of one of us was always here because as as KG alluded, we're a twenty four hour operation. And the administrative and sales team got to go home. Right. But the on air staff Which we cut tremendously, and it's only about a dozen of us. That that got through because everyone else was furloughed, then then that weight fell on us. So your conversation with us and ours with you today, A, and those listening on the podcast, is going to be extremely beneficial in just finding that, that, that space. But I do want to ask, because as I was reading, you have an office in, I believe, one of the most beautiful parts of America, and that's Oak Park. Yes. Oh, you know Oak Park. Wow. I know Oak Park better than I have a chance to discuss with you today. <laughs> but oh, cool. uh, yes, ma'am. And, and and my daughter is, thank God, still employed with United. But we, we had a home in Oak Park. And one of the beauties of that, we would always go down to uh, the Frank, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright home mm. just to just to visit and see some amazing structures and KG kind of led into where I was going. Uh, do you get a chance to, to just walk around? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, uh, I take that as a maybe no. no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it, it sounds like we've, we've got some similarities in, in terms of our, our jobs or work ethic, at least. Um, when there's so much terrible stuff happening in the world, I'm, I feel extra pulled to, to do more, to be better, um, to find strength when I, I don't know where it exists or how, but to find it, um, to keep going and to do more. Because uh, Oak Park is beautiful, and I do take walks, uh, and I, I do take walks with friends, and um, we're, we're in South Oak Park, so we, mm-hmm. we don't get up to the Frank Lloyd Wright District that often, but it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much going on in Oak Park, too. And there's so much work to be done in Oak Park. Yeah, you know, this, yeah. this progressive, oh, yeah. you know, it's supposedly place. Um, and there's a lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. So I, I'm fe- I, t- I feel torn, but I do try to prioritize my own self-care. It is, it is just really hard right now with so much pain in the yeah. world. We'll try to try to doc, please, because you know, you can't pour from an empty cup. So, so know, true. please, please take care of yourself. Uh, and we know that we're going to need you. We, you're one of the good guys. So, so find, find that zone. Find that time. Please. I know it's a tough balance, but please do it for you. Yeah. You know, we need you. Thank you guys. We, we, yeah, we keep it simple, Doc. We, we keep do. it very, very simple. Well, we thank you for simple coming on the Public Affairs Podcast, Dr. Colleen Sierra, the 
a founder and executive director of the Sierra Center for Behavior Health uh, in Chicago and Oak Park, specializing in women and trauma. This was a delightful conversation. Thank you for being on the Public Affairs Podcast. It really was delightful. Thank you so much for having me. And for everyone listening, the Public Affairs Podcast will continue right after this. From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. And I'm Uncle Larry. And I got to tell you, KG, the world just keeps getting more intense Mm -hmm. every day. But I'm so glad we have a release point with this Public Affairs Podcast, because today we're going to share some extremely information, extremely good information with you. Yeah, because, you know, as COVID continues to disrupt everyday life, there is an incredible uh, network that is concerned about survivors of sexual violence uh, and the increased risk of that with them being at home and on the phone line, we have the Vice President of Communications for RAIN, which is an acronym for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. Please welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, Heather Drevna. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. I'm sure that um, this is a very um, unprecedented time for mm. you guys over at RAIN. It has been um, unprecedented. I don't even know if that covers the the scope of the word. We've actually just just come off the two biggest months um, in our organization's 26-year history for the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Um, We typically see an average of about 25,000 visitors a month across our victim services programs, and in the last two months, that number has averaged just over 30,000 people, um, so more than an 18% increase. Hmm. Jeez. Mm, mm, mm. So what it, well, first, talk about RAIN and, and, and what it is that, how you all help uh, these victims of race abuse and incest. Sure. So RAIN is the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. We created and operate the National Sexual Assault Hotline which is available via phone at 1-800-656-HOPE, which is 4673, and online via chat um, at online.rain with two n.org. Um, since our founding in 1994, we've helped more than 3 million survivors of sexual violence, as well as their loved ones, uh, get help, support, and the services that they need to start on their path to healing. We do four things. Um, Primarily, we're here to support victims through the hotline and our other victim services programs. We're here to help educate the public um, through the media, through social media, and through work with the entertainment industry. We also work to improve public policy, and we help companies and organizations improve the way they prevent and respond to sexual violence. Mm -hmm. And you guys have been around for how long? Uh, Since 1994. Oh, wow. Yeah, long time. Okay. Uh, So, Heather, can you debunk some myths that we may think of when we hear about a group like Rain? Is it is it is it is it men versus women? Is it 
women versus women. what's is, what what let me rephrase that what what are the, some of the scenarios that 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 you can address and what do we as people in good standing in the community what what can we do what how, how can we look help out for what do we exactly what can we help look out for sure um Many people tend to think of sexual violence as a women's only issue, and women do make up the majority of people affected. However, it affects people of all genders, all races, all ethnicities, all gender expressions. Sexual violence is something that touches nearly every family in America in some way, shape, or form. And the National Sexual Assault Hotline is there to support any survivor or the loved one of a survivor who wants to talk things through, how to get help. Healing from sexual violence is a process that looks different for everyone. Um, For some people, talking about what happened can be an important part of moving forward and seeking help. So our support specialists are highly trained, and they take a victim-centered, trauma-informed and survivor-led approach, which means the conversation is led by the caller. Uh, There is no prescriptive um, script, so to speak, on the hotline. We're there to help with what the caller wants to discuss. Uh, Typically, about a third of our callers are calling because something has happened in the past 48 hours. Uh, Those people are looking for advice on medical help, um, medical resources, whether or not they might want to get a um, sexual assault forensic exam, which is commonly known as a rape kit, where they can access that kind of help. Um, They're also looking potentially for law enforcement data. So what does reporting to the police look like if they want to take that option? Um, And we're there to help walk them through that. The other two-thirds of our callers could be calling any time in their healing path. Um, We take calls from people who have had an incident five, 10, 20, 40 years in the past, Mm. Um, something has happened in their life or something has, um, they've seen something either in the media or in the news or on television that has brought up those memories for them and they need help processing how to move forward. Mm. So Heather, with the the enormous uh, publicity given to the Me Too movement, uh, where was your organization with that? Was that a good thing, or did it complicate anything that you guys were working on? Anytime people are talking about sexual violence, it's helping to reduce the stigma and the shame that many people feel around these issues, and that's a good thing. It helps more people come forward when they see that they're not alone and that other people have been through this, and that people are willing to believe them. Um, So the Me Too movement has been a very good thing for bringing the issue to the forefront. Uh, We saw our call volumes increase dramatically in the fall of 2017, which was when Me Too really took off after the allegations against Harvey Weinstein. Uh, That's when we saw our call volume jump up to about 25,000 visitors a month. And it's sustained at that level over the last two and a half years until we've just hit this surge due to COVID. Wow. Wow. So um, I love your, your your PSAs that you have. Won't stay quiet. There's a lot of there's a lot of women. There's a lot of people. Period. Who stay quiet because of the stigma attached. Um, a lot of times they, from what I've seen, they get victim shamed, and um, 
they feel like people won't believe them or like, why are you trying to bring down this person or that they're just straight up lying? Um, what advice for those that are listening to the podcast and that are going through that have been contemplating on getting out and speaking up but are too afraid? What advice would you give them? Thank you. That's a really important question. First, we want folks to know, again, that the National Sexual Assault Hotline is there for them 24-7 in both English and Spanish. And we can help people talk through what that first disclosure might look like for them, who might be a safe person to disclose to. Um, or if you're the friend of someone that you think something has happened to and you want to prepare for that disclosure and how to have that conversation, we're here to talk for you, too. We know that that first disclosure plays a really important role in a survivor's healing journey and their ability to help move forward. Um, so this past Sexual Assault Prevention and Awareness Month, uh, which was in April, we focused on the role of friends and family and how they can support survivors. That's really our theme for this entire year, and it's so important, especially at this time with COVID. What folks need to know is they really just need to be there to listen. You don't need specialized skills to help a friend or to help a family member. We created an acronym that we call TALK. It's just a simple mnemonic device to remember some of the key principles. Um, the first thing is a friend comes to you or a family member comes to you, thank them for telling you what's happened to them. It's important to take a moment to acknowledge how incredibly difficult it can be to tell someone about this type of trauma. And it's important to show your appreciation that they trust you with this conversation, especially if you know it's the first time they've talked about it. A stands for ask how you can help. Um, even though your first instinct may be to rush in and to try and give your loved one advice on what they should do. You should do this. You should talk to this. You should go to this place. That's not necessarily what every survivor needs in the moment. Um, so the best thing to do is to ask. How can I help? How can I be there for you right now? What do you need from me? The third piece is really the key, and that's L, it's listen without judgment. Um, it's normal to have reactions like anger or shock when someone tells you that they've had an experience like this, um, especially someone that you care about. And those reactions can sometimes make a survivor feel like they're responsible for the other person's feelings, and it discourages them from feeling that they can open up. Um, finally, the last piece, K, stands for keep supporting. Healing takes time. It's not a linear journey, and it looks different for every person. And it's crucial that survivors know that their friends and family are there for them throughout this process, not just today when they've made a disclosure, but as they continue to heal. Um, for many survivors, feeling, they feel like their normal life has been taken away from them, and that can be especially hard. So one of the important things about keeping supporting is just keeping involving that person, keep asking them to do things, keep letting them know that you're there for them in all of the ways that you've normally been there for them along their journey. Hmm. You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We have on the phone line with us uh, from Rain, Heather Dravna. Um, let's talk about the numbers that have gone up during this whole COVID-19 life. How, were, were, A, were you all prepared 
um, for the influx of calls that you all were uh, going to receive? And B, uh, were you staffed enough to handle the high volumes of calls? We had an indication um, early on based on previous experience when around holiday periods or periods we know people are in close quarters with family. Usually we see a slight decline or a leveling off in, in visitor volume. Our first instinct was that we would see that as the stay-at-home orders went into place, and we did. Our monthly volume stayed consistent at about 25,000 visitors for March and for April. Um, especially as people were in close quarters, we knew they weren't going to have the freedom that they would normally have to reach out for help. Uh, they wouldn't have the privacy to make a phone call or they might not have the privacy even to do an online chat if they were being monitored in some way, shape, or form. Uh, so we didn't expect a spike in calls immediately, even though we knew that didn't mean that abuse was going away in any way, shape, or form. I think when we look at the data from this period, we will see that certain types of sexual violence uh, went down, you know, the things, uh, incidents that stem from social situations like meeting someone in a bar or at a party, those types of events have gone down. Um, but what we've seen anecdotally is that intimate partner violence and especially child sexual abuse have most likely escalated during this period. We believed and planned for when the stay-at-home orders were going to start lifting that we would see a spike in the hotline volumes, which is exactly what we have seen. The numbers really started to climb in mid-May as many of those stay-at-home restrictions started to, to lift. Um, as I said, we planned for that and we scaled up for that as best we could. We've hired 33 new support specialists for the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Uh, we also trained 55 new volunteers to help supplement our staff. Um, and they've just done an extraordinary job. Um, our staff are so dedicated, and they are so dedicated to being there to help people, especially at this time where we know how vulnerable many people feel. Um, and so people have been willingly putting in extra hours and extra shifts to help make sure that they're there for people. Indeed. Well, uh, in order to, um, in, in an effort mm -hmm. <clears throat> to help in this uh, this mission of sexual violence in America, um, where can people um, get um, get in contact with you all? What, what's uh, the website? Give out the number again and, and your social media because, you know, that's a really a big thing nowadays. Thank you. If you or a loved one have experienced sexual violence, um, you're not alone, and the National Sexual Assault Hotline is there 24-7, again, in Spanish and in English, we're at 1-800-656-HOPE. So that's 1-800-656-4673. We're also available through online chat at online.rain, with two N's, R-A-I-N-N.org. Again, that's 24-7. It's completely free. It's completely confidential. And we're here to help anyone who needs to talk. Um, there are a wealth of resources on our website, which is rain.org. Uh, you can learn about many different topics, including learning how to support a survivor um, with the acronym that I just went over. 
Uh, we also are on social media. We've got a very active community on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, we're at, at rain on Twitter and Instagram and at rain one on Facebook. Indeed. Uh, Heather, we just want to say thank you for your work. Thank you for your due diligence. We appreciate you and the message. We know that this is good work. It's hard work, but I, we know it's good work because you're you're helping ease the souls and minds of some people who've been tortured, unfortunately, and it got worse through COVID-19. So we're putting you in our circle of light and lifting you up and your organization and wishing you all the best as you move forward. Thank you so much, gentlemen, and thank you so much for having me on and for all you're doing to help your community. Indeed. And thank you for listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We'll see you next week.